0: nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is the Word of God.
1: Thanks for being here today. We're in a series, our last talk in a series that we've titled, A Reason to Sing, and look at the character of God um, through the book of Psalms. And as we see who He is, it's a reason to celebrate and a reason to sing. And I hope you've enjoyed this series so far. I love the book of Psalms, a book that I just live in. Um, it, is, it is God's gift to us, I think, um, with how to deal with our feelings and thoughts in a broken world. And he gives us a way in all seasons how to do that with the Psalms, and I love that. Um, today we are looking at uh, finishing this series by looking at Psalm 1 and seeing that God is personal. We just heard that God wrote a book. He's that person. He wrote a book to us, almost like a letter to us. To, uh, to show who he is, his thoughts, um, uh, and to reveal himself to us as a, as a relational God. And through this book, he speaks light and life into our lives. And I want to show you that today, just look at Psalm 1. Let's talk to God first and ask that he would l- help us to listen. Let's, let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you so much uh, that we are here this morning. And that's by no accident that you, you want to speak to us again. And Lord, help us to have hearts and minds that are not just going to take that for granted, that are not thinking at the weeks ahead or the weeks past or what we need to do. Help us just to be still. Help us to sit before you and wanting to hear more from you. Lord, you say your word is living and active. You say that it is food for our soul. And so, Lord, help just to feed us now. Use me as your servant just to, to, to speak your word truthfully and help us to have... Ears and hearts that are ready to meet with our Creator. So Lord bless our time now we ask. Amen. Now often at the start of each year, it's often a time for, you know, do-overs, start again, fresh routines, plans to take over the world, right? Um, you know, one of the ways of doing this is New Year's resolutions. I love looking at renewed resolutions and seeing what goals we will make and thoughts they have and plans they try to do. And I often Google, you know, top news resolutions to figure out what's going on and what people are doing, doing whatever. I found, uh, I found a list that they surveyed a quarter of a million people for the top uh, 10 2020 news resolutions. Um, let me show you to you. Here it is. Here they are. Uh, firstly, actually doing my news resolutions is the top one. Trying something new is number two, eating more of my favourite foods, three, lose weight is four, go to the gym, five, be happier and better mental health, six, be more healthy, seven, be a better, better person, eight, upgrade my technology is nine, <laughs> staying motivated is ten. Now, there are a few ones that are, that are uh, a few standard ones, right, you know, the whole uh, lose weight, get healthy, go to the gym, they're always there, but surprisingly, like, upgrade technology, who, uh, anyway, if that's yours, I'm sorry, but it's weird. It's just weird. Uh, be a better person, I thought was interesting. Be a better person and be happier, I thought was really interesting. That stood out to me, be happier. Almost like there's a pre, uh, presupposing that people feel like they're not as happy as they could be or that they need to be happy because it's a good thing for them. And it's right, right? Who doesn't want to be happy? And I think if you look at these news Year's illusions just here, I think often behind most of them is a desire for happiness, is a desire for satisfaction. Like try something new, or eat more favorite foods, or get healthier, or exercise, or be a better person. There's this, there's, underneath all this is a desire for happiness, is a, desire, a desire for satisfaction. Uh, uh, to live your best life now, as the phrase goes, or the blessed life. You know, the, 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 one of the cafes that I sit in Piccolo is down the road there has all these posters all over the wall advertising certain things and courses sometimes. And one of them, it says this poster, it's big writing, and it says, living your best life, question mark. Really tapping into this desire, I think, that a lot of us have in us, is are we living our best life? Our, oh, do we have satisfaction and happiness and meaning at the moment? I think we all feel, and I often think that it's a thing that God has made us to be like. God has given us, given us a desire for happiness, for satisfaction, that we are on a quest, a God-given quest, to find our satisfaction. But the question then becomes Is where do you find your happiness and your satisfaction, these desires that are in us? You know, what influences where we look and what we pursue? Who do we listen to? Who do we go to for advice? For satisfaction, for happiness, for answers. Today, as we look at Psalm 1, we'll read through this, and we'll see that uh, the psalm will show us where God says we find it. It will show us where we find it. It's a short psalm. It's not very long, so I'm going to try and give you three observations. They're really brief, really simple. We'll just sort to walk through. I think there's a really nice logical flow to it, and I'll show you what it is. That should say doesn't do. Anyway, they're backwards. The first point is doesn't do, not does do, then it's the other way around. It does do, then the result. So it doesn't do his first. Let's have a look at this. Let me read to you sentence one. It says this again. Blessed is the man who who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So let me begin by looking just at the first word, blessed. I'm not going to go through it word by word, don't worry. Just first word, blessed. What does the word blessed mean? This is really crucial because the whole psalm is really about what it means to be blessed. And what does the word blessed mean? We throw it around a lot. What does the word blessed mean? The word literally means to be happy. And not just happy and just laughing, but happy in this deep sense of rooted in moral and mental and physical well-being, to be fully satisfied. You could almost translate this verse as, "Oh, the happiness for the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. The happy and blessed person is the one who doesn't do these things. And there's three things there, isn't there? The three things are, walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of scoffers. He's saying then, these things don't bring happiness or blessing. And it's almost like there's a progression here from walking to standing to sitting. It's almost a progression here. This idea of of walking in the counsel of the wicked, is hearing advice from the world that is opposed to God, you hear that counsel, then you stand and you stop it and you think on its merits and ponder it and see its strengths, which moves you then to sitting in it and taking on completely and buying it, hoot, lion and sicker, this progression here. Now what does it mean to walk in the counsel of the wicked? Because the Psalms are saying this does not lead to this happiness, this blessing, if you do it. And I think it's this idea of not taking your cues or listening to the advice from, from the culture that is opposed to God. Not just swimming along with what is easy and what is popular in the world. You know, we, we're in a culture that is ever-increasing opposed to God and His ways and His word. And the psalmist are saying, don't, don't walk in that counsel. And, it's, not, and, it's, and it's, easy, it's easy too because we can be fearing from being different or fearing, fearing of being mocked or ridiculed for what we believe about God and His word and the, and the world. And sometimes we can let it creep in, almost like uh, we didn't notice the gradual influence the world has on us sometimes, and we start changing our views and our beliefs slowly, almost like that idea of a frog boiling, uh, boiling water really slowly. And the psalmist is challenging us and saying, "No, we, we, the blessing, the blessed life and happiness is not found in walking in the counsel of the wicked." And then he goes on to say, "What about standing in the way of sinners? I think this more has connotations of activity, of standing in the way being like doing. The idea seems to be here, not living as the same as those around you, uh, those who reject God. Living their way, he says, does not bring happiness or blessing. Now, he's not saying don't associate with people who don't know God. We're called to go and be lights to those who don't know Jesus. We're called to go and uh, and be God's people and to share his love with all people. But we're called to be different, to stand out, to listen to God and his ways on how to live. And the psalmist here is saying, do not stand in their way. Do not be like them. Finally, we get this this third third way we're not to do is to sit in the seat of scoffers. And this idea of scoffing or scorning is someone who, in this context, scoffs at things of God most likely. There is nothing sacred uh, and there are no consequences for their actions. Like everything is a joke and can be mocked and made fun of. Including God or, or, or the Bible or whatever, and the psalmist is saying the blessed life, the happy life, is, is excluding these three things. it's not doing these things. it's not looking to these things or these, this culture for influence or, or for happiness, or taking advice. This is what this psalmist is saying we need to exclude. As you know, I 'm the youngest I can say of three children, a sister, brother, me, and uh, I am five years younger than my brother. So uh, it's not much now as an adult, but as a child, it was a fair gap. Uh, When he was in year 12, I was in year 7 at high school, so the fair gap between us. So growing up, he was always one step above me, and he was always this uh, sporty, fit, kind guy that everyone loved, and I was the younger brother who just looked up to him. I was like that little puppy dog just trailing behind behind him all the time, just want to be like my brother Anthony all the time. And, uh, you know, he, he learned how to surf, so I had to learn how to surf. Not a very good job at that. Uh, he grew his hair long, I grew my hair long. Uh, he learned to ride a skateboard, I learned how to skateboard, until he fractured his skull and fell off. Then I said no to that. Uh, but uh, he was someone that I looked up to and just wanted to be like, and, and he had this huge influence over my life. And I went to him for advice on all things, because I wanted to be like him. He influenced me. I remember one night, we, we shared this tiny bedroom uh, together, and for a number of years, even when we could have moved out, well, we were such good buds, we just a talk at night together, I remember telling him one night lying in bed, I said, oh, this this girl I met from church, her name's Katie, um, she's three years younger than me, should I date her, you know, and he's like, nah, don't do that, and um, luckily I did listen to him on that one, but in uh, everything else, uh, I asked him for advice, and he would give me good advice, and I wanted to be more like him, he had a huge influence over my life, of who I am, what I'm like. I wonder if you to step back on your life and think about what influences you. How you think about the world, how you act, what you do or don't do, how you form and shape opinions, how you make decisions, who you go to, who do you look to. We, we all look to something or someone to shape us, to influence us, to answer our questions, to form a worldview. What, what is it for you? Here in Psalm 1, the psalmist wants to show us this path to, to happiness and to blessing and he's saying it's not here, it's not found in sitting, uh, sitting or standing or walking in, in the seat of mockers or sinners or the wicked. So here's what to exclude, he says. But then he moves on, he contrasts this and says, no, here is the path to blessing, here is to what to look to for influence and for leading. Let me show you this. Here's what we are to do. Sentences 1 and 2, it says this. So we just read, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor in the seat of scoffers, but, or rather, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And so the psalmist wants to draw this, this contrast of being influenced from one place to be influencing from another place. Being shaped by how you think or how you feel by the wicked, the sin and the scoffer versus being shaped by the law of the Lord, by God and his word and his instruction. He's saying don't give your attention to, to the world or start to delight in its ways, but rather delight in his God and his ways. This is the path to blessing. This is the path to happiness. And I think the word here, I don't know if you've noticed, the word here, delight, I think is super interesting here. Delight yourself in the law of the Lord. Why didn't he use the delight? Why did he just say, read the Bible? Why did he just say, uh, just, just, just make sure you listen to God? But he uses the word delight. And I think it comes to this whole idea of what he's trying to contrast against. Following the ways of the world versus following the ways of God and, of God and his word. Think about this for a second. I don't think anybody walks or stands or sits in the ways of the world out of duty or pure obedience. We stand or sit there because we want to. We watch the things of the world so intent that they become attractive to us. We meditate on them. Then we delight in them. And this is how sort of this idea of, of worldliness happens in our hearts. You start to look at the, what the world has and what it has to offer and looks tempting and what it produces. And you think you want it. And so then you, you delight and then you stand and you sit in it. And the contrast then is... God is, uh, The Bible is saying here, Psalm saying, instead of delighting in that, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the law of the Lord. Not out of obedience or duty, but delight in God's ways and meditate it day and night. And the point here is, the only hope against the pleasures of the world is the pleasures of the Word. It's like the pleasures of the world are awakened by looking at them long enough, so the pleasures, pleasures of God and His Word are awakened in our souls By meditating on them day and night and seeing their beauty. And that's the implication of this psalm. Delight yourself in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night. This is the whole point of the psalm. He's saying meet with your God through his word. He is personal. You can speak to him. You can hear from him. You can know him. And this is the path to a relationship which brings joy and happiness and blessing. And the psalmist here is calling God's people to have a passion for his word, a passion to meet with him, to delight in it. He's calling them to practice, to meditate on it. And the word meditate is really interesting. It means to mutter, to mutter. And you know how crazy they mutter to themselves? It's saying here you to meditate, to mutter to yourself throughout the day, the word of God. As you meditate and think on what you've read, you mutter it to yourself in your heart and in your mind. To meditate and to think over and over and over on it. We have to have a passion for it, to practice it, and we are also called to persist in it day and night. The psalmist is urging us to meet with God, to meditate on his truths day and night, so we delight in them. The psalmist is saying this is the path to happiness, to blessing, because our God is personal. He speaks. And we can meditate on it day and night. I don't know about you, but um, I love often trying to learn new skills, new things. I get bored quite quickly. And so I want to try something new all the time. And so I often try new hobbies. And I often find it frustrating when I try and do something new. And I say something, I'm going to try this. And they say, yeah, it's really easy. I tried that and I nailed it. And then you give it a go and you're horrible at it. And I often feel like this is me when it comes to music. Um, I cannot play a musical instrument and I would love to. <laughs> I would love to. I see guys up here playing rock and I look at Marlon looking so cool on his guitar, looking like it's nothing for him and I'm like, man, that is, that is hard. And uh, I look at it and I think oh, I want to play and sing like Chris or like Jordan or Tim and, and, and I just can't. I've tried to learn a guitar three or four times and I'm actually on my third or fourth time now with my good teacher Jordan over here and, um, and my daughter and I are having competition to see his better fast, and she's beating me. That frustrates me no end. And uh, I tell people I'm trying to get at the guitar, they're like, yeah, yeah. I taught myself. I watch a few YouTube clips, and I just learn it. I'm like, ah, oh, my fingers just won't go there. I'm like, move your... And my little pinky won't go there. And I'm like, just strum... I can't get it, and I'm super frustrated by it because it should be easy, or people tell me it's easy, but it's not. I find it really hard. And I think we can read this psalm here, right? It's so easy to read this psalm. And say, delight on God's word. Meditate it day and night. And this is the path to blessing and happiness. And I'm sure that all of you here have tried to read the Bible for yourself and you found it hard. It's hard. And it can be frustrating. I'm sure you've tried uh, on and off Then you get up for a while, then you feel guilty, and then you, you sleep in rather than in the Bible, then you, try, you get distracted, and then you look at and it. And it's hard. We've all tried it. And we can go sometimes think, hey, I'm going to start again today. I'm going to give it another shot. And you read and you don't understand it. Or you read it with this expectation of that you're just going to have this amazing feeling, this spiritual experience, and read the Bible and it, nothing happens. Or you read it thinking, God, I just want some answers on these issues that are in my life, plaguing me. Lord, give me an answer. And you read a passage that's just on, on Isaiah in judgment. You're like, what is that? And you just think, well, why, why do I bother? This is so hard. And you think it's going to a waste of time. And we hear we should delight in God's word and his ways, but that's not our experience. And we all feel like this, and I feel like this. Why don't we read here and I want to encourage you to, to not give up because it's way too important. I want to say this. I want to say we will not grow as followers of Jesus. You will not experience the blessing of being in a relationship with your God or a joy that is found if you aren't meeting with your God. You will not grow. It's your spiritual food that you will not last without. The Christian life will become a drudge and a dread and it will drag your feet. We have this amazing relationship with our Creator bought for us through the blood of His Son on the cross in our place for our sins. And we can draw near, as Hebrews 10 says, and we can do, meet with Him face to face in His Word, day by day, in the Spirit. We have that. And if we don't do it, I don't think we're going to last. I want to encourage you. If you, don't, if you find it hard to delight in God's Word, if you, you know you should... You just don't know what to do, you feel stuck, you don't have a desire. I want to encourage you to, this is so simple. I want to encourage you to pray. Now, I can say that. It's to pray to your Creator. I want to say this God is not a God who's trying to play hide and seek with you. He's not hiding in the corner saying, I'm going to make it really hard for you to come and know who I am. I'm going to hide over here and I hope they don't find me. That is not the case at all. Our God loves us so much. And he wants to speak into your soul, and he made you, and he knows what you need to hear. And he's written in a book for you that you can access anytime, day or night. And he wants you to know him, and he loves you unconditionally. And he's not disappointed with you if you're not in the Bible, that he is not, he is not this, this disappointed father saying, Do better. He's saying, Come to me, all who are weary, and I'll give you rest. And every day is a new day. We have the cross of Jesus Christ. And in that we can say, every day is a new day. His mercies are new each morning. He's just saying, start again. Start again. Psalm 119 is the longest psalm in the Bible. It's 176 verses long. And it's basically a acrostic poem of the Hebrew alphabet. And it's all about how amazing God's word is. Psalm 119, 103 says this, How sweet are the words to my taste? Speaking of the Bible, the psalmist just loves God's word. You read that and go, Wow, that is not my experience. But you read back earlier in Psalm 119, verse 18. He says, open my eyes that I may behold the wondrous things of your law. He's praying and saying, God, I just want to know you more. I want to delight in your word. I'm not feeling it at the moment. But please just show me how sweet your word is. I know I need it, but Lord, give me a desire. Give me a passion for your word. And he prayed and he goes and reads and he has that because he knows this desire for the word is not from his own soul, but it's a gift from God. In our fallen state, no person naturally hungers for or delights in God's word or wisdom. So the psalmist asks and then reads, and I want to encourage you to do the same. Ask and then go and read. Read Psalm one nineteen. Read just, a, just one alphabet, uh, Hebrew alphabet letter. Read Psalm one or read whatever, and just say, God, I just want to show you. Just want you to show me who you are. I know you're not playing hide and seek with me. I just want to be still and sit and listen to you right now. Just show me one thing about yourself today. I think if you do that day after day, God's going to say, here I am. We have a God who's personal, who hears, and He will not hold things back from you, but He calls you to come to Him. And In Psalm 1, we see the result of the person who does meditate. I want to show you sentence 3 here. I want to show you the results of what it looks like, what happens to you once you do meditate on God's Word. Look at this with me. It says, The person who meditates on God's Word, they are like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The person who delights in God's Word, who meets with him, I want to say has Three major results here. I want to show you three things. It's always three with me. Anyway, three major things. And they all start with the same letter because it's easy to remember. Stability, supply, success. That's the result. Stability, supply, and success. The first one, stability. They're like a tree planted. A tree planted. Someone who reads the word, meditates, is a tree planted. Now, I used to be a landscape gardener. I love trees. And so one of, one of the coolest trees I know is a Morton Bay fig. Look at this on the screen. What a cool tree. Morton Bayfigg. It's Like a bunch of snakes there anyway. Um, Morton fig. It is huge. This is 270 years old, this tree. Uh, they're all around the place. Some in the the park down you know, at Glaston Park. Uh, they are huge trees. What I love is how strong this tree is. You look at this thing here. You can climb that. You can you can jump all over that. It will not move. It will not shake because it is planted deep. These trees have roots that go hundreds of meters in search of water. We had a few in our backyard in Roseville, I don't know why we had them, but they were, they were tiny, and their roots would go 70, 80 meters looking for water. These things would have roots go for kilometers. They are strong, they are planted, and the Psalm 1 is saying, this is like the person who meditates on God's Lord day and night, they are like this tree. They are strong, they will not be shaken, nothing can blow this tree over. No hurricane, no wind, no storm. The psalmist is saying that anyone who meditates on God's word are strong and stable and secure and will stand firm no matter what comes at them in this life. And I read that and think, man, I want to be like that person. Strong, secure, handling whatever comes at them in this life, in this world. Not being pushed around by the worries or troubles of life, not doubting or envying others, but knowing that God is enough. And the person who meditates on God's word is not marked by flakiness or trying to figure out, where's my place in life? They are planted like this tree. And they are stable because of God's word. They are stable. Secondly, supply. Sentence 3 says, they are tree planted by streams of Water. And so we read here: they're not just a tree planted by in a desert and they've got to find their own water. A tree planted by streams of water; they're constantly being fed and nourished. They never go without need. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon says, uh, points out: they're a tree planted not just by a river, but streams of water. So if one stream stops, they have more streams. There is more. There is more than enough. Their life is never empty. They're never dissatisfied. They are never indeed. They have constant supply. Because their Lord is their shepherd, they shall not be in want, as Psalm 23 says. The final result is success. Stable, supply, success. Sentence 3. They are a tree planted by streams of water. That yields fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that they do, they prosper. This person delights in God's law, and they succeed in the things of God. They produce fruit in season. That's in God's timing, in God's season. When it's ready, their leaf does not wither, does not get old. They're constantly nourished and they are thriving and producing fruit. They have vitality as a follower of God, producing the fruits of the Spirit in their life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. It's produced in their life. They have spiritual prosperity, trusting in the Lord and these are the results of someone who meditates on God's Word day and night. And I read this and think, man, this is what I desire to be like. This is where joy and happiness and blessing is found. And you know, as the year kicks off, I just, want to, I just want to challenge you to make a plan to read the Bible. You will not fall into meditating on God's Word. You won't fall into it. You just won't. You can go home to and think, yeah, I feel convicted for the sermon, cool. I'm just going to do the whole Bible flick and see where it opens, and that's what's going to happen. If you do that, you won't last. <laughs> it won't last long. You need a plan. You need some discipline to work out how you're going to meet with your God and experience the blessing of this. As you meet with your Creator, He speaks into your life day by day, meditating, delighting in. You need a plan. And I want to encourage you today to not leave you without a plan. Look, these things here, right? These are worth getting. Go and see Marlon at Kurong or, or, or um, Felicity at Kurong. These books like this, you have devotions like John Piper's Taste and See or Paul Tripp's Morning New Devotions or the popular thing at the moment, Pete's Gazero, Morning um, Day by Day. Any of these books are worth your money to get through the Bible in a year. Like this one by Carson, year in a bo- Year in the Bible. You can borrow any of these. My wife would love to get more books out of my house. You are welcome to borrow these if it helps you to read the Bible. As a church, we need people who are meeting with our Creator. And out of that, a joy and a blessing comes. There's, you have the, uh, the, 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 the Read Scripture app from the, um, the Bible Project guys all online. And they give you videos to watch. They send you the passages. It's easy. We have no excuse, really. But I want to encourage you to start again give it a shot and see if you experience the blessing that the psalm was talking about. God is not lying here. He's not lying about this. I want to say, give it a shot. I've mentioned before, the guys in my MC, we've been reading through the Psalms, uh, one Psalm one each day. We're now up to, a, up to Psalm 131. We've done 131 days together. Reading a psalm, messaging each other, always learned this morning. It's been amazing. But I want to say, make a plan. It won't happen without a plan. It won't happen without a plan. To finish off, it's easy for me to get out the front here and say, read your Bible more, pray more, I'm, I'm sure you've heard me speak on this before. I, I say it all the time because I think it's so important. But I want to interview someone who I think has heard me say this a lot, talk about this a lot, but I think recently it's clicked for them, and I, wanna, I want them to share their experience with you. So would you please welcome Jordan to the front? Thank you. Oh, good segue from sermon to interview. Look at that. It was quick, wasn't it? It's weird. It's weird. Um, Hey, just quickly tell us about yourself. Job, Basic stats.
0: Basic stats, man. Um, um, Gemini, Enneagram, type. (laughs) (laughs) No, Uh, they're not very impressive. Uh, I'm 29. I live here in Balmain with my mum, dad, and brother. I'm about to do a CELTA course because I don't really have any skills per se, but I can speak English, so... I'm going to be accredited to teach English to people. You're also my,
1: you're also my guitar teacher.
0: Yeah, well, maybe. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you need to do better and teach me. Anyway, whatever. Uh, tell us, how long have you been a follower of Jesus for,
0: and how did that come about? Um, I don't really know. Like, I moved, My family moved to England when I was like a few weeks old, and at some time they started going to some charismatic church. And then when they came back here, they went to Christchurch Gladesville with you guys. Somewhere along the line. I, I feel like it's just been a slow process of me slowly realizing that I believe it's the truth. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so. cool. Mm. I, think I've, I think we've known each other for like 20 years now.
0: Yeah. Makes you feel really old. Anyway,
1: <laughs> um, what's, what's been your experience of being a follower of Jesus?
0: Mm, um, well, yeah, like I said, I, I know for a long time that I've been pretty convicted of the truth yep. of the gospel. Um, but it's been—I I, kind of got hard around the age of 18, I suppose. i I—I I don't know. I—I I don't want to say the words existential angst, but—you um, just did, man. What well on? <laughs> I stopped going to church, and I found it hard. But then I found—I found it even harder being without God. I kind of—I guess I tried to live a life without him, or—and um, then I don't know. At some point. Without giving my whole testimony, I called Jacob up and I was like, man, I want to come back to church. And I was actually living 100 meters down the road. Above the news agency. Shop. Above the news agency there. And yeah. Jacob was like, we're about to ch- plant a church like right here. And I was like, oh, it was meant to be. So, yeah. Um, but I found it, I don't know, obviously great. Um, it's the best thing to yeah. do with your life, yeah. really.
1: Yeah. Uh, you would have, you've, you've been in church for a long time. Uh, you would have heard many sermons on, you know, read your Bible more and whatever. What's been your experience of trying to read
0: the Bible for yourself? Mm, Yeah, I don't think I could ever say until recently that I've been, you know, where I'm supposed to be with meeting with God. So I found it, it's like I like to read, but I don't, I don't read the, I haven't read the Bible as I should. And I I don't know, so I've read, you know, it's been sporadic. I've had periods of, like in the video, like discipline and resolve that might last yep. and periods where I really taste and see that the word is sweet like honey and I, I'm passionate about it. But um, yeah, it, it has never led to something that I feel like is kept, keeps on building. Um, yeah. Yeah. We got to hang out a lot last year, you were an intern, so we're hanging
1: out once a week. And uh, I know something has clicked or changed for you recently when it comes to meeting with God. Do you want to to share that with us? What's happened?
0: Um, I really do. I hate being up the front, but I want to share this because it's been quite profound. Like, um, we've been doing that schizero book, Taste and See. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to talk about this, like, without being, like, heretical. Like, it's pretty good, but it's... It's, it's, it came at the right time in my life. Yeah. He talks a lot about stripping away things that are not of him, and I, I think I, yeah, really learned through the internship year things that I was clothing myself with, that I was looking for some kind of joy in, and yeah, some circumstances in my life over the last like year or two. Um, God just like frustrated a lot of my plans and humbled me a lot in so many different ways. So it was a kind of tough last few years. And then this book just uh, introduced the novel idea of reading the word twice a day, which we've talked about a little bit before. And I think also the silence for Mm -hmm. two minutes before doing that um, is like also pretty new and Can yeah. you explain that and what that is and why you do it yeah well i mean he does it better but <laughs> oh well for me what it's meant is that i just look forward to bible time because i just go and sit and think for a couple of minutes and i like the muttering thing yeah um i didn't know that but yeah so i don't meditate like empty my mind um which I would heavily advise against, but I I meditate. I I know the Bible. Like, things come into my head. Like, I know who God is, and I just sit there for a couple of minutes, and that's so much easier for me to do in the morning than, like, oh, I've got to read my Bible. I just think, like, I'm going to go and sit on that seat and just think and be in God's presence because I know that I can be there because Jesus has enabled me to be with him. So, it's just made it so much easier for me to go and start and just start with sitting in silence and I don't know, sort of praying, but not like actively bringing petitions to him, but just sort of being like, hey, God. um, And uh, anyway, um, that's the silence. Yes, that idea of
1: just, I know for me, just sitting quietly. And Psalm 4610 says, be still and know that I'm God. Mm -hmm. And that idea of trying to quiet my, my soul and my mind is always so busy and saying so many things in my head. It's actually trying to stop and say, God, I'm here, just talk to me. And open the Bible and see what it has to say to me, rather than me coming to him with an agenda or, or, or a plan, saying, "Go, I'm here. Let's just chat." And yeah. open the Bible, where we go. And that's that idea of being silent, and still, right? Yeah, idea, yeah.
0: Yeah, which I really think has been one of the aspects to this practice that has meant that it has just, I don't know, been really fruitful for me, or has felt really different.
1: How have things changed for you with your relationship with God now? Like starting to this practice of silence, open the Word even twice a day, like you're
0: saying, you're looking at the Bible twice a day, and What's changed for you? Uh, a lot. Like in it, I I feel closer to God. I I feel like more fluidly do I go to Him, um, throughout the day um, with yeah. Uh, with just things that would pop into my head that usually I would be looking elsewhere for guidance or whatever. It's just like a discipline that has meant that yeah. I I really f- for the first time I'm just. Um, Happy to see God in the morning and wake waking up. It's also coincided, well, about three weeks after um, we started this thing, I quit smoking and I quit um, uh, like coffee, which I wasn't really addicted to, but I just like cut out all this stuff. And I even learned that that kind of like ascetic, um, I don't know, this like harshness, severity of the flesh and like fasting and stuff, like, it won't even take you that far, but what it did was, it, I just it was showed me how much every day I rely on so many things, and God like really stripped me bare, and I had like a pretty terrible week where I was just like, this sucks, and all I've got is God, and I was, I was like, God doesn't really satisfy. Like I, I feel hungry. I feel not. I wasn't even fasting. I just felt this hunger for something that I didn't even know what it was, which was familiar to me even when I was indulging in like. I smoked, like, pot and um, cigarettes, like, as much as I wanted. And I was familiar with this feeling of hunger. And I think that God has showed me, like, how to reboot and detoxify, like, physically. And then, um, yeah, to really actually see, like, wow, like, in the morning, like, my head feels clear. And I'm just like, oh, hey, God, like, I'm looking forward to, I'm going to get up in a second, you know, maybe... Stretch and drink a glass of water, and then I'm just going to sit on the couch and talk to you. And I, I just, I don't know. It, the fact that that's joyful for me now is like a miracle.
1: That's but so cool. That's really cool. Well, you know, you've, as I said, you've heard many sermons on Revive and Pray. People here today go, man, how do I? What do I do? What would you say?
0: Um, I would. Pass Jordan. Preach it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've already said it, but I, like, think of the, think of. It as meeting with God and, and not as like a box to tick and, and think I've had a successful Bible reading not because I've done it but because I have, uh, I don't know, beheld a little bit of, um, I guess, the peace and um, treasure that it is to be able to meet with God. Um, I would say do try to read twice a day even even 3 times a day um and i would say be quiet and don't always be praying like that you need stuff um but just know that god loves you and enjoys you hanging out with him when you sit there and just be like hey god um and you know that he's god that's what he wants you that's all he wants of you and it's i don't know it's a mystery why it's such a blessing to yeah. know that
1: yeah Jordan is worth talking to more. He has m- much more to say on this stuff. I've been super encouraged by his growth recently, and as I said, I've known him for 20 years or so, but to see him grow recently in his delight in the law of the Lord has been phenomenal work of the Spirit in his life, So I wanted to share that with you today, what, what's been going on in his life through meeting with his God, which is so cool. Um, I want to give you time now just to think about for your own life, what do you want to do from this? Uh, Are you going to make a plan to use one of these to meet with your God, to to figure out twice a day or every bookend, morning and evening, whatever it's going to do? But I would encourage you not to leave here today without having a plan to meet with your God and experience the blessing of what Jordan was saying, what Psalm 1 says. So let me give you time to reflect, to figure out yourself, your soul, and pray to God, have a plan, and then um, Jesuke, get up and pray for us.